Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Penzer, former WCW and Impact ring announcer, and you are listening to Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. Well, we are live, pals, and welcome to another edition of the Bill After Seal of Approved Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. My name is Tyler, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Mike. Mike, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm all right. I'm back on the wagon. Oh, you've started drinking beer again. How dare you? It only only took, what, maybe two weeks? Not sure. Hey, you did all right. Two weeks without beer is not bad. Uh, and when you we get to our list portion, which, spoiler, we did record last week, you definitely had a few uh, beverages in you for this one this week, didn't Holy you, buddy? Holy crap. Yeah, I blame you, man. Those, those cottage springs are dangerous. They are delicious. They are a treat. And speaking of treats, we have a huge show lined up for you this week. We we have a very exclusive interview with the Wildcat, Chris Harris, coming up this week. Uh, it's been on our YouTube page, but for those of you that hadn't had it over there and checked it out, make sure, well, we're going to give it to you here so you don't have to. And then follow up. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is a, a two-week stretch of, uh, no, no, we had Carrie last week. We had Carrie. We did Ring of Honor and last this, week. This yeah. week, it's all about Impact Wrestling, and, man. And then and then the week before Carrie, we, were, we had a little touch of Impact because we had Johnny Devine on the show. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah, we're really hitting the uh, the impact lately, and uh, well, let, let, let's talk before we hit uh, Chris Harris. Let's really talk. Let's really quickly talk about uh, a good reason to talk about impact right now. Um, they just had a pay per view. That's right. They just finished their Rebellion pay per view. Uh, I actually watched a little bit of this, believe it or not, and I was pretty impressed with what I saw. You want to know something really funny? I think you and I watched opposite ends of the show. I watched <laughs> the first like four matches, and you watched the last three. I did, yes. I, I tuned in uh, about halfway through the tag title match, which I, you know, me, tag team wrestling, I thought it was a good match. I was surprised by the finish with Finjuice keeping the titles. You know, can I say something about Finjuice? As a dude whose child is named Finn, the phrase Finjuice really grosses me out. Because <laughs> in my house, that conceived. means something really different. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what to say to that. You got me <laughs> speechless, man. You don't do that very often. What do you What do you think, though? Do you think that this was uh, the right move, keeping the belts on them? I do. I, yeah, I really, I, 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 I like I it. The, uh, the Good Brothers don't need it. The uh, and uh, Finjuice will. Uh, they got that little uh, New Japan rub to to bring over to Impact right now, and it's good for them. You could never put a title on the Good Brothers for the rest of their career, and it won't hurt them. Yeah, they don't need it. Good brothers, they're they're, they, they're they're solidified. People know who the hell they are. They're gonna go down as one of the great tag teams, and uh, they don't need titles. No, and they've they've got what I like to call the Chris Jericho stigma to it, where it doesn't matter. You can lose every single week; it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. Exactly. Uh, they're there to they're there to put the other guys over, but not in a they're over the hill kind of way. In a in a just like you say, a Chris Jericho kind of way where they can put everybody over because it doesn't hurt them to do so. Absolutely. They're that fucking good. So, um, I, I, I don't want 
Go ahead. I, was, I was gonna say I don't want to talk about the main event just yet. I wanna no, I wanna hear from you. I wanna I wanna hear what you liked on this show. Or what were some of your highlights? I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the eight man tag. Um, wasn't expecting the debut of uh, of W Morrissey. Big Cass. Uh, Big Cass or uh, Jack Edge. Um, he uh, he came in. He made his presence known. He did really well. Uh, I I enjoyed it. He's a good addition to Eric Young's stable. Yeah, and, and and I liked it a lot. Um, and everybody else involved in the match uh, did very well. I I, I ever. I like everybody in this match. So and and I can see a, a, a nice program down the line when when uh, they want to break off Joe Doring eventually because I think he's got yeah. babyface written all over him. There's a, a built-in program with Cass waiting for him. Absolutely, that'll be great. Um, or or with um, uh, Cody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I totally skipped the uh, the Matt Cardona and uh, Brian Myers match. I had no interest in, the, in it. I know you didn't either. No. Um, and I was thinking of giving it a try. Cardona comes out looking fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. He his outfit. I can't wait. I know you haven't seen it. I can't wait for you to see the outfit. The uh, let's just say the Road Warriors be rolling around in their graves if, if they could see the shit. Um, and his uh, his significant other got in some trouble this week too. She got some heat on her. Talk about that in a second. Uh, I want to move on. If we're going to talk about impact, we'll talk. We'll talk about impact. We'll move on from that shitty match and uh, talk about some women, man. Did you watch the women tags match? I haven't seen the tag team match yet. There's two matches I want to go back and watch, and that is one of them. I heard it was fantastic. It was I like the addition of Rachel Ellering. I I I haven't <laughs> seen a whole lot of Rachel Ellering's work in the past. So I wasn't sure what to expect by and by nothing. I mean, nothing like I've never seen her work. So I was very pleasantly surprised her and Jordan make for a great team. She's got a great look. She's gorgeous. She's tough. She's amazing. She, she fits with Jordan so well. Uh, they went and they fought those girls and, and did such a good job. Um, they deserve those belts. Yeah, I, I think it was the right time for a switch, too. Jordan's been chasing it for a while. Uh, I like that they're now working a storyline in where Jazz is applying for a manager license to manage yeah. Jordan, which I really like. Me, too. The other match I really want to go back and see is uh, the X Division title match with Josh Alexander, TJP, and uh, Ace Austin. I also missed that. Um, unfortunately, I am going to go back and, and watch it. I do know that Jason Alexander won. And I think that's a hundred percent the right move. Yeah. Um, Alexander, I feel like almost any other company, they would as soon as, as soon as you lose Ethan Page, they would have been like, okay, what do we do with this guy? And he ends up getting lost in the shuffle. They saw the value in this dude really quick, and they pushed the fuck out of him. And, and look at him now. He's, yeah. Uh, he's going. I, I I'm going to say it's less than a year away. He's going to be the impact champion. Oh, I would love that, man. The guy's in ring work is spectacular. His look is awesome. Uh, something I, I want to kind of throw at you here about about these three guys. Uh, they've been working together on TV a lot. They're having excellent matches every week. It's kind of a throwback, and and what's going to tie into the list this week with the uh, top seven asylum moments of TNA with the X division. Though it's always been circled around kind of a three man feud. You go back in the early days, it was AJ, Loki, and Jerry Lynn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fast forward to the next generation. It was Chris Sabin, Frankie Kazarian, and Michael Shane. Then you had AJ, Joe. Throw in Skipper in there a couple times. Yeah, AJ, yeah. Joe, and, and uh, Daniels for a while. And now you have these three guys, and it's giving me flashbacks to that type of uh, yeah. prestige where the X Division is. I think they've really elevated the belt. I, I can't wait to see what they continue to do. I couldn't agree more, and I can't wait to watch that match in full. Um, mm-hmm. The other match I did catch... And I, I had such high hopes for, and I was kind of let down with the last man standing match. Yeah, with uh, Sammy and uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name. Trey Miguel, is that who it was? Trey Miguel, yeah. Yeah. Um, really cool story going in, but it just it, it, it kind of fell flat for me. Um, I don't know. It uh, it just didn't do for me what I thought it might. It wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible, but it, it was just, it felt like something was missing. It felt kind of stale. Fair, uh, unpopular opinion. I'm not really a Sammy Callahan guy. I've never I know really, you're not, and I don't get it because uh, it just never. I never. I never clicked with me. Yeah, he's. Hey, listen. I from an in-ring standpoint. All right, I, let, let me ask you this: If you're not a fan of, uh, if you're not a fan of Sammy, what are your thoughts on Eddie Edwards? Uh, I love Eddie Edwards as a performer. I'm not a fan of his current little gimmick he's doing now. I, 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 I like American Wolf Eddie Edwards, but I'm a fan of Eddie Edwards overall. Okay. Right. But I, I don't. I, this isn't my favorite version of Eddie Edwards. How about their, that? Their feud, I think, is one of the greatest seasons in the history of Impact Wrestling. Oh yeah, it's been great, and, and you know the baseball bat, all that stuff. Yeah. And then let's get to the big, to the big, uh, big right, topic. Big I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched the match. Match is I good. Know the, I know the outcome, and but I have yet to watch the match. So I'm only going to speak my thoughts on booking of it like how i feel like maybe it should have gone i can't base anything on watching the match because i haven't watched it I'm yeah sure let's talk it about it great match you it was good it was a good match it didn't yeah. blow me away it was it was just a, a very good match they're both great wrestlers um i don't think rich swan gets the credit he deserves um but uh i was expecting a great match we'll talk about i i i can only give opinions on the finish so let's talk about the match you give me the highlights of the match and then we'll talk about the finish I mean, I don't need to run through the whole match. It's two of the best going at it. You know what I mean? Kenny Omega, in my opinion, is the greatest wrestler in the world right now from an in-ring standpoint. I I just think everything he does looks fantastic. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his little character in AEW right now. Uh, You know, a little bit too chicken shit Healy for me. I'd like to see him. um, Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I'm not a huge fan of his promo work, but Don Callis makes up for that. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because the thing is they can't they, they, they won't pull the trigger on this. They can't decide what they want to do. Is he a chicken shit heel or is he not? Because he acts like one, but then another week he's he's the one coming up with ideas for uh exploding barbed wire magic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah, it's a little confusing. And then either make him do those promos or let Don do the work. It's not working to do both. It's not um... working. I mean, you just said yourself you don't like his promos. They're not my favorite. I don't like when he does the silly stuff. I think he cuts great promos when he's serious. I think his promos in Impact are better than his promos in AEW, if that makes sense. There was a time where that comedy stuff worked for him. Yeah, it's not the time right now. But it's not the time right now. It's not. Um, He he shouldn't be that kind of heel. Not with the stuff they're doing with him. Um, and I and I agree with you. I don't like the stuff they're doing. He is a phenomenal wrestler. I'm not going to take that away from him. As a character, as somebody to watch uh, from an entertainment standpoint, he's not my guy. I'm not enjoying 
almost anything he's doing outside of his in-ring work. Uh, I, I've got to say, though, not an impact. to argue your point a little bit, uh, and, you know, again, some of his promos haven't... I, I've liked some of his promos. I haven't liked some of his promos, but I do think that, to me, he is the most interesting thing happening in wrestling right now. And I fully disagree. So you're not happy, I'm assuming, with the outcome of the match? <sighs> I'm not going to say I'm not happy. I just because I didn't like I didn't like it to begin. With. I didn't like the match stipulation to begin with. I never <laughs> liked the idea of the title for title thing, um, because for me it, it was a no win situation. I know you disagree, and you're going to bring up oh the point big time. I disagree. Yeah, no, and that's fine. Um, we're we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I don't think this helps anybody. Um, it goes all the way back to when when uh, when Kenny made his first when his, his debut on Impact and basically fucking buried uh, Rich Swan in that first episode. You you come four or five months in the uh, you'll pass that we're not past that yet. He's still burying burying Rich Swan. Swan came out no better here, and why why not? Uh, well, why I'll is, tell you why not. AEW doesn't need to be built right now. AEW has their money, they have their viewers, they have their whatever. They they shouldn't be building AEW or Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega doesn't need to be built right now. The thing with Kenny Omega is this. Kenny Omega's wrestling fans have already made up their mind on Kenny Omega. You either like him or you hate him. If he would have won or lost that match at Impact, was not going to, nobody was going to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to start watching Kenny Omega more now. Or, oh, I hate Kenny Omega now. Nothing changed by him winning that Impact title. He didn't gain anything. Oh, I nor, disagree strongly. Nor would he have gained anything if he lost. I disagree strongly. So it, so, so it, it, it makes no sense. It was stupid. And uh, I think it hurts everything else more than it helps anything. It didn't help anything. No, you're and way, you're way say, off. put eyes on Impact. Bullshit. Well, first of all, it has put eyes on Impact because they had their biggest pay-per-view number ever because of Kenny Omega. And you can say whatever you want about it, but that's a true fact. They did their biggest number because of Kenny Omega, which is bringing new eyes to their product. Let's see in four months. We're We're playing the long game here. The long game, nobody wins. Impact doesn't need to play the long game right now. They're winning right now. Impact is winning in this deal, in my opinion. But it's boring. How do you, but they, you don't even watch AEW. I, you don't even. I, I watch it as much as you watch any wrestling. That is incorrect. I've actually watched a shitload of wrestling lately. <laughs> I think I might be watching more wrestling than you these days. Don't think so. I've been doing good. But here's the thing having the Impact World title on Kenny Omega elevates that title a thousand percent. It's now going to be on, it, it elevates it more than being on Rick Swan. Let me tell you that much. Don't be talking shit about Rick Swan, though. I'm not. That's listen, Impact needs, Impact needs to be. He's not the guy to be your that, world champion, though. But that is what Impact is. No, Impact needs Kenny Omega to bring more eyes on it, and then eventually have somebody beat Kenny for the belt and get them over. But Impact Rick is he, company, Rick Swan. Impact he's not the, the guy. Where fucking Tommy Dreamer runs around acting like Sherlock Holmes trying to figure out which fat guy shot the other fat guy. That's what Impact is. They're not AEW. They're not. They're, but you cannot tell me, but you cannot tell me that having Rich Swan is better for your company as a world champion than Kenny Omega. You're out of your mind. No. 
You're out of your mind. Kenny Omega is a former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He has a legendary career in Japan. He has had a great run in AEW so far. All, I, all I'm going to say is I hope they fucking paid Rich Swan a whole lot of money for that. Because for what? Because for looking like an asshole on his company. But Rick wasn't a getting over as the champion anyway. But he wasn't getting over as the champion. He wasn't getting over as a champion. Are you fucking high? I'm not high. He was not. If you sit here, he's not over as a world champion. He's not that guy. He's a great hand to have. And you put him in the X division, and, and I think that's where he needs to be. But that guy is not the face of a company. No one's going to give a fuck about this story in six months anyway. So it doesn't but people, people give a fuck about it now, and that's good for Impact. They're doing huge numbers. They have something apparently really big planned for Kenny at Slammiversary. They're going to have him fight again at this Under Siege event that they're going to have. Their exactly. world title is now going to be featured on TNT every week, which is doing a million viewers every week, which is a substantial bigger number than what Impact does. This is a big win for Impact. And it keeps Kenny Omega is now a world champion in three major promotions in the world. Like, that's incredible. Who knows? Maybe they're going to go with the NWA next. Maybe you see something, some more cross work done if they're going to keep this belt collector thing going. Maybe you see him in New Japan again. Like, the, you don't know where they're going to go with this. May, may, they're going to have to sell me on Kenny Omega. That's all. I, don't, I don't think anyone needs to be sold on Kenny Omega. You put him in the ring, he's better than anybody. His character, I agree with you. It needs some tweaking. Uh, I don't like the silly shit that they do. I don't like that, and I don't think it's necessary. But I think that his work in, in Impact Wrestling on the microphone and the way they present him is a lot more serious and better than what they do on AEW. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that because I think Callis probably has a little bit more control about uh, of what happens on the Impact side. Absolutely, he does. You know? Um, and I'm not, and that's not me shit talking the writing over at AEW. I do watch some AEW, and, and there is some stuff I like and stuff I hate, just like every single wrestling promotion. Hundred percent. I'm no, uh, I'm no AEW fanboy. There's a lot of shit I don't like in AEW. But, but with that said, I think Callis, if they're not using, if Tony Khan has Callis in his back pocket and he's not using him, then that's fucking stupid. Well, you know for sure, though, that those guys have freedom to say whatever they want. I hope so. You and know I, they do. And Callus needs to go over there and be like, hey, you know what will work? Because Callus is a fucking genius. And Callus is the best think, promo in wrestling right I think, now. I think, I think Callus is one of the only reasons this is getting over at all with me. Callus is one. He's the best promo in, in wrestling right now. Mm -hmm. not, it's not even close. I, I'm inclined to agree with that. Right. But Kenny Omega winning this match was the only Speaking move to be made. Of promos, I will say this: even though I want to, as a character, not as a man, as a character, as the as the person he perceives on t television, I want to. And maybe this is how I'm supposed to feel. Maybe he's doing his job properly. I want to kick the character Tony Khan in the fucking nuts when he's on. Yeah, the, and when that's he's on, a, when he's when he's in on, on Impact. Hundred percent. That's you, his and job. I know, and I know you missed this part. But the uh, promo between Tony Khan and uh, Scott Demore, where they set up the double the double referee thing, was fantastic. Yeah, hey Tony, I I, I I I very very often forget how great Scott Demore is 
as a character. I love Scotty, man. And, mm-hmm. they, and, and he's got to be utilized a lot more over there. Yeah, but, you know, you don't want to put those guys on TV all the time, right? Scott, I think Scott's good. He's not overbearing on the show, but he's still that figure, and he, he gets his stuff over, and he elevates things. But I think they're used on perfect. I don't want to okay. see him well, all the time. One last thing before we go on. Even if I did agree with, like, it's and, and like I said, I don't disagree with Kenny winning the match. I just didn't like the idea of the, the title versus title. Okay? That's behind me. Can't do anything about it. One issue I do have, if Kenny was going to go over, and I know you don't agree with me, but at the very least, if Kenny's playing this chicken shit heel character, he should have fucking won dirty. See, I disagree. I don't... They they weaseled their own referee in. They have the invisible hand. There's so many things they could have done, and they just wasted it, and they just... Like I, I said, it's I, I feel very bad for Rich Swan. Rich Swan won nothing from this. And you keep saying, yeah, Impact won, Impact won. Sure, Impact won, but Rich Swan won nothing. And he's been working his balls See, off. But I disagree. I disagree with that as well. Rick Swan went toe-to-toe, had a great match with arguably the best wrestler in the world. They gave him all kinds of shine in the match. He It looked like he was going to win a couple times. But now it's up to Impact to fix whatever they think, whatever you think is wrong with Wix Ron, it's time for Impact's booking to make sure that he is followed up with the proper way. Do you turn him heel? Does he go crazy because he lost the belt? Like, that's up to Impact. That's not, that's the I writers. Really hope, I really hope you're right on that. I hope they take that. Because there is a way that you can I spin hope, this. I hope they make him look strong after this. I really do. There's a way you can spin working. it. I, I don't think. Like, like right now, when I look at Impact, I look at the guys like Rich Swan, I look at guys like Moose and Sammy Callahan, and these guys who have been working so hard to to make this product. You know what I mean? And I want to see them get their due. And Moose is the other guy. I hope if they do move on from, uh, I don't know what their plans are with the Impact title now, um, but I hope if they're going to move on if they're uh, with a storyline, I hope uh, to see some Moose versus Kenny. Yeah. Hey, how about what if Moose is the guy that beats Kenny? That's a huge elevation for Moose, and he needs it, man. If if, if it was to beat anybody to beat Kenny, Moose or Sammy would be my two picks. Right, and both those guys could use a big win like that. Or or Eddie. Yeah, but either way, whoever Kenny Omega loses that belt to, it's a big deal. Now, the only way that I'll be upset about it is if Kenny just forfeits all these belts, and that makes everybody look like shit. That'd be stupid. I, I can't see that happening, yeah, right? So, so no matter what, how many belts they put Kenny with, he's gonna lose them all, and it's gonna make people superstars. All right, here, well, we we could talk about that all day long. But let me ask you ask you one last question since we're talking about Kenny. Who's the next AEW champion? Oh, that's tough, man. Uh, honestly, if I was them, I would go Hangman. I think it's his time. I fucking could not agree more. Hey, and then, and that's something I think we've said for almost a year now. I think, well, I know I've been saying it since the first episode of fucking... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're all wrong about things, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. All right, man, what do you think? You want to... Uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to... Uh, we'll throw it to the list. Yeah. So Mike and I recorded this list last week. Uh Mike, Mike is going to sound a lot different in this list than Woo! he does right now because he was having a good time last week. Right after the list, we're going to go. And I got to tell you, we, we recorded 
two episodes last week. We did we did the ROH episode and then we did this one. So by the time we got on this time this one, I was already fucked. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be a fun one. I have not re-listened to this, so I apologize in advance, everybody. I tried my bad. I didn't have time this week. I was like, maybe we All should right. redo this. I have a couple things I want to say. So you remind me, are we coming back? No, we're not gonna come we're back. We're gonna back. we're gonna wrap up our part here and we're gonna end with Chris Harris. All right. I want everybody to know next week we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to be counting down the uh, the greatest theme songs in w, uh, WWE from the year 2000 to the year 2004. Um, right. Now, Tyler told me that it was impossible. I wouldn't be able to do it. And holy shit, were you right, buddy? That's twice um, in a row. You got to start listening know, to your partner, I man. I told you about so, the Briscoes. I told you about this one. <laughs> so here's what I'm doing. Uh, I couldn't do a top seven, so I'm doing a top 14. That's right. And, and if you guys want to hear the full list, uh, jump on our YouTube next Wednesday or this coming Wednesday. And uh, you can hear number 14 through eight on YouTube. And then on our regular Thursday show, we'll do seven to one. All right. All right. So with that being said, we are going to throw it to uh, the list for the top seven TNA Asylum moments back in the early days. Right after that, stick around for our exclusive interview with the Wildcat, Chris Harris. Uh, Can we just say one thing? How fun was that interview? Oh, it was great. Uh, Mr. Perfect Stories. You guys got to listen to it. I don't want to say anymore, but yeah, yeah, yeah. great stuff, man. So here we go. Uh, Enjoy uh, my list of the top seven asylum moments and Drunk Mike's antics. (laughs) Cheers. Well, without further ado, I think it's time to get into the list, and we're going a little bit old school today. We're going back to the asylum years of TNA wrestling. I am counting down the top seven moments, maybe some matches in there, who knows, from the Wednesday pay-per-views. Now, the criteria for my list this week, Mike, was it had to take place inside of the TNA asylum in Nashville, Tennessee. Which was between the years of what, 2002 and five, maybe? Because there was a short period of time where they were doing uh, out of Florida and Nashville at the same time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm solely focusing. This is the original, this is like the Wednesday night pay per view. uh, uh, NWA TNA. That is correct. That is correct. And you know, like there was. A lot of real shit that they did back then, but there was some good stuff too, man. There's some real great <laughs> shit. And, and they they were doing the whole, we're going to throw whatever to the wall and see what sticks kind of deal. I like gimmicky shit, though. So I'm that one guy in the world that wishes they would bring back King of the Mountain. Yeah, hey, I didn't mind King of the Mountain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, I, I think, King, I think of King of the Mountain came after these days, though. Did it? I yeah, it yeah. The original. Uh, oh, they uh, might have done one. They might have done one, maybe. Yeah, they, they might have done one. You might be right. Well, they did some cool stuff here, and I figure, hey, you know what? Since we're about to after the list, since we're going to talk to the Wildcat Chris Harris, let's let's talk about some of this original uh, original yeah. stuff here, and we'll start right off the bat with my number seven, and it is the hair versus hair match between Raven and Shane Douglas, but yeah. more specifically, the scalping of Raven. No kidding. Uh, James Mitchell really did a number on Raven, man. This thing was a blood bath. And I'm not talking about the match. For those of you that have not seen it, uh, Shane Douglas defeats Raven due to interference from Vampiro. 
in this match. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Mitchell shaved Ravens had the wrong way with the Clippers. And yeah. he basically scalped him. And Raven was a bloody mess. And it was, it was bad. But it looked so awesome on TV. Yeah. But it wasn't supposed to happen. No. And Raven Raven credits that moment to the fact that he uh, started to thin out on top there. And he, mm. he had to actually go and get uh, hair plugs put in. Recently. Is that where he finally gave, like admitted he's going bald? Yeah, yeah, he, he like did yeah. this like like PSA announcement for the doctor that he was doing it for. I'm sure he took a discount for doing it, right? Yeah. And he basically went back to you know this is the moment that caused it all. Yeah. Uh, and it was, man, this was something that was right out of that it you could have put brutal. right out of ECW. I, 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 you're you're hitting hard right from number five, uh, right from number seven. I can't believe this is your number seven. I thought it would be at least number three or four. Um, the, the, like, like this is this is you're you're hitting hard right away here man there was a lot of hard stuff like that i had to leave off this list i know last week you said that about your your um ring of honor television title list and there's a lot of stuff that was just man i want to put it on but i just can't do it uh but something that did make the list was my number six and we're going to go back to the very first ever ultimate x match between michael shane frankie kazarian and chris saban yeah, what a great time to be talking about this when we just recently, like by now it's probably been a couple of weeks, but we recently got Frankie Kazarian versus Christian at AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was, that was about a month ago, yeah. Yeah, but you know, what a great way to talk, because we're talking about 20 years ago here. Yeah, this was all Frank, these guys' first first real anything on the main yeah, stage. Yeah, right? nobody knew nobody who knew who knew who Chris Saban or Frankie Kazarian was in two thousand two. No, and, and let me tell you, Chris Saban, there was something really special about him in two thousand and two. He was doing the Hale Saban character. Um, yeah, this is pre this is pre machine guns. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is way before the Motor City machine guns. This was. You know, him and Kazarian and Michael Shane, who's uh, related to Shawn Michaels, no pressure there, right? Um, not only, though, did these guys have the pressure of being the first ever Ultimate X match, and the match was a bloody mess. Michael Shane was bleeding all over the place. Unfortunately, the belt fell down a couple of times during the match, which kind of hurt it a little bit. But yeah, I thought the guys did a great job of, of improvising it, on it, their feet. It, as I like to call it, they Booker teed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, these guys still had a lot of pressure on them, in my opinion, because this was kind of like the next wave of the X division. Had the, had the uh, my memory is very blank here, so you have to you have to help me out here. Had the X division really been solidified yet? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. the X division was was okay. what was, was making. Yeah, right. absolutely, it was absolutely it was, and and these guys had a lot of pressure though because you know the first wave of X Division guys were your AJ Styles, your Low Keys, your Jerry Lynn's, who you know the all these big stars, and now they they've all kind of either left the company or moved up to the heavyweight division, and this was the next wave of the X Division, so mm. a lot of pressure to keep the the standards. But this is set. still before you had. This is still before you have your your, your AJs. No, AJ and, was there, and your. What was AJ there? Yeah, but you, this is oh, before yeah, no, Samoa AJ, Joe. 
AJ this, was in the first episode, yeah. Yeah, this was before your Samoa Joes. You know, Christopher Daniels hadn't really dappered into the X Division yeah. at that time period, right? So yeah. So these guys were kind of like the next chosen three to, to carry that legacy. And I really thought they did a great job doing it. And Michael Shane gets the win, which I thought was the right move because I think he needed the most of that time. All right, well, sidebar here. Frankie Kazarian goes on to have a moderately great career. Yeah, very, yeah. Okay. Um, and I say moderately great because unfortunately, I think I think I think Kaz is very underrated. Um, he doesn't get talked about as much. We talked about this in last week's show. He's one of those guys because he's not a WWE guy, he doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's under Christopher Daniel's shadow a little bit. Chris Saban also has a great career behind him, thanks to the Motor City Machine Guns. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Michael Shea for a second. Okay, let's talk about him. Why do you think we're not talking about him in the same light we're talking about the other two in 2021? I mean, if I had to take a guess, I would I would think it would be just a choice to step away from the business because you know. Was that it? Is that is that why he left? It? I I don't know much about him. I don't know. Did he get injured? Did he get you know? Why did he leave? I don't know why because he, left, he was to be extremely talented. Well, and he had a great run in Ring of Honor in the very early days too. With him and yeah. Paul London had that great uh, so, street fight, fight without well, honor. The, and here goes my next question: uh, Was he trained at the same time as guys like Lance Cade and and, and Brian Danielson? No, he would have been. And, he would have been many Paul many London? years. He would have been many years after them. Okay, so he didn't get trained at Sean's school. Then. I don't know if he, he might have been in the school, but I, I don't know for sure about that either. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. He just, you know, he was around for a while, though. He changed his name to Mike Bentley or Mike Bennett or something like that, I think. And, like, he was around in those or Orlando days. I don't think days. it was Mike Bennett. No, maybe not Mike Bennett. That's a different guy. But <laughs> I think it was Bentley. I think it was Mike Bentley he changed his name okay. to. They had him paired up with Tracy Brooks for a while. Because um, I'll be honest, man, until you just mentioned this match right now, I haven't thought of Michael Shane in fucking 20, like, 15 years at least. Yeah. You know what, though? And if you go back and watch his stuff in this time yeah. period, it was spectacular. He, Absolutely. I, he was kind of like, I, I thought Saban showed the biggest superstar potential of all of them, but Michael Shane, man, he was right there. Chris Saban, again, one of those guys should be a bigger star than he is, but he is still Chris Saban. I don't know. Uh, I think one of, Saban's one of the highlight, is perfect. One of the highlight matches of my of all the matches I'd seen live was Chris Saban versus Matt Taven. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, 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 like he's still, and that was only two years ago. Yeah, the guy's a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Let's not mm-hmm. forget that. You know, tag team champion, X Division champion, Ring of Honor tag team champion. The guys, the guys, done it all. Part of one of the greatest champions uh, tag teams of all time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's my number six. Let's move on okay. to the num- number five yep. here. Now, my number five is—it's kind of a mixture of two things, but they go hand in hand with each other. So I'm not doing two parts here, but the the, the first part leads into the second part, and that okay. is the debut of Raven in the NWA and his okay. build up, his build yeah. up to his match with Jeff Jarrett. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I 
I understand why you're doing that, and I, I, I'm down with that. Yeah, so let's yeah. talk about Ravens' debut. Nobody mm-hmm. knew it was coming. He Ravens that guy that gets released, and he doesn't get the no-compete clauses somehow. He did it when he left WCW and showed up in ECW and won the tag titles, and he did it this time here where he showed up after Jarrett had a hard-fought victory for the world title, laid him out with a DDT, and stole the NWA world title. And there's that really great shot of him doing the Raven pose, holding the belt. And there's that sign behind him that says Ray, uh, McMahon fears Raven, which is just... Now, it shouldn't be surprised that he was able to get out of his 90-day uh, compete clause considering when he was working for... When he signed on with WWE, Vince McMahon had no idea that he was Johnny Polo. Oh, is that true? <laughs> oh, that's really he had the, funny. He had the Luke Gallows syndrome. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and but like Raven had a lot of buzz about him at this time, man. And and this build up to him and Jared, it was their highest spot Wednesday pay per view. I'm, I'm going to be sure. perfectly honest with you. Raven is one of the reasons I continued to watch WCW through the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my favorite. Raven and the Flock were were one of my favorite things through that period of wrestling. Uh-huh. Um. So when I found out he was going to TNA, and I was off and on with TNA at the time, because um, I didn't get Impact. I got Impact like three days late. You know what I mean? And then and, and I couldn't afford the, the, the Wednesday fucking pay-per-views every week. So I went several years where I was off and on uh, uh, um, TNA. But when I found out that they were bringing Raven in, or that they had brought Raven in, that's something to jump on for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's and, Raven. Well, on this build for his match with Jarrett, you know, it was fantastic. And they struck it out for a long time. Now the match, it, it's what I think is wrong with the company, the outside yeah. interference and, uh, you know that Jared. They, uh, they 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 dustied up the they they, they dustied up the. Uh, the yeah, it was just a classic Jeff Jarrett title match that everyone complains about these days, where there's a yeah. hundred fall, hundred hundred outside interference, hundred guitar shots. Yeah, the match yeah. itself was really a letdown, and I remember that being like kind of a a turning point for me with with TNA wrestling of just being like ah. Uh, you know, I'm kind of over this a little bit. Well, that's sad considering how early it is in, in TNA's tenure. Yeah, it disappointed. Now, I continued to watch, obviously. I'm a wrestling fan, but it, yeah. I remember that being a drastic point for me where I changed my views on the company. I do remember that. Uh, but yeah, the, the match has to be talked about. Uh, Raven, mm-hmm. fantastic stuff he did in Ring of Honor at this time as well. Um, yeah, so that's my number five. Raven, I want to talk about like just five seconds of of Raven's time in TNA. They really gave Raven carte blanche. Yeah, he's a world champion. He had yeah, but yeah, but what I mean is they they just said, dude, do what you want, like like go and do your thing, which he never had in any other company. Real, really. ECW, he he ECW, yes, but here. So when he goes on and he, and, and he creates things like the Clockwork Orange match. Absolutely. You know, and that is something I think stuck with, with, with TNA. That's part of the TNA legacy as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Is I the think, Clockwork Orange match. You know, and I think it's important, you know, look at, look at Raven. We're on my number five and we've talked about Raven twice already. Yeah. I think he's a very important part of the lineage of, of TNA. 100%. Yes, absolutely. He is. Absolutely. He is. 
Uh, my number four. The fact four, that they haven't put him as the in part of the Impact Hall of Fame yet is kind of stupid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And he's a name, though. You know, we talk about underrated names like Roderick Strong last week. Mm-hmm. Raven, I think, is the most under underrated name in Impact history, TNA history. I could probably think of a few names, but yeah, Raven, he's got to be Raven, right up there, man. Raven doesn't get the respect he deserved. He was the face of their company for a long time, and there was that weird period where they were off TV for a little bit. Yeah, they weren't doing the ones, and Raven was the guy that carried that, you know. Yeah, and Jared and and Sabu came in, and Rhino. They did the tag matches, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Raven was the man. Raven bled TNA for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. He did. Absolutely. Yeah. He did. Now my number four, they didn't bleed TNA, but they sure as hell bled NWA. And I'm talking about the debut of the road warriors in NWA TNA. <laughs> this moment was awesome, man. All right. You gotta sell me on this, man. I because right now, if you want them on your list, I'm switching the Raven haircut and this because yeah, that's fair. Like, but this is what your number five. It's my number four. Your number four. Yeah. So this tell was me. a two. This tell was me a, on this. Because so this I is remember, a two week. I remember this vividly, and I don't think it's number four. But this is a two week. This. this was a two week incident that happened. Okay. Mm. Um. And you know me, I'm an old school fan, so this might be a little bit more on the sentimental side. And, this might, you're, a, and you're a major tag team uh, fan, too. This so, might be my Marty Scroll this week, as you had last week. You okay. know what I mean? All right. So the Road Warriors, unannounced, make a run-in during a, I believe it was a three-team match with uh, the Harris Brothers, America's Most Wanted, and the New Church. You're 100% right. And the place went they did you talk about the road warrior pop it was still alive and well man and they came out and they cleared house and there's my cats going crazy never saw them again that's not true you saw them again one more week you saw them the next week they were involved in an eight-man tag match it was the road warriors teaming up with jeff jarrett and the american dream dusty Rhodes against triple x and vince russo and they had a damn good match because you now, can only put them in a match like that. I'm sorry. 100%. Same thing the, with Dusty. They were not the Road Warriors that we. No, they were not. But this was this was one of their last appearances together yeah. as a tag team. They looked great in the ring. They both cut great promos. They got monster reactions. That moment when they just walked out and cleared house, they hit the Doomsday device on uh, Wolfie D from the New Church there. Um, they took out the Harrods Brothers, Hawk at the Big Splash. I. You could have closed your eyes and you could have pictured that being 1987 again, man. They took you back to that moment. But then to see them team up with Dusty Rhodes the next week with all the history that they had together as the superpowers and the war games matches, that was super cool for me, man. And they got in there with Triple X, who were the up-and-comers. They ended up putting them over, not clean, because Mr. Wrestling 4 came out, who ended up being, do you remember? I don't. Friend of the show, Nikita Koloff, making his NWA TNA debut. Just hoping you're going to say Santino Marella. No, um, come on, Nikita. <laughs> so for me, uh, uh, just to see the history of the NWA yeah. get represented in the NWA in a proper way. Because they did a lot of shit, man. They did a lot of shit with Tony Savani, That was terrible. With Percy Pringle. Even when Rowdy Piper came in, it was terrible. When he cut yeah. the promo on Russo. 
this was Don't such a great this was such a great throwback to the old days and the history of the business it gave it gave the road warriors one more shining moment it gave dusty a great moment in the ring you know it put over triple okay. x all right. all right you're jerking me off with the nwa nostalgia uh i told you to sell me you're you're selling me with that part. maybe it's you a little really- low maybe number four maybe it should have been my number seven maybe but that's my heartstring, man. When you get Nikita, Dusty, and the Road Warriors in the ring, and I'm seeing that again, that's a special moment that they created, man. Oh, doesn't it break your heart that Nikita out of that whole group is the only one we could get on the show? Yeah, yeah, it makes me sad. And and how great was Nikita? And by the way, if you want to hear that Nikita Koloff interview, head back to the archives on Spotify or Apple Apple iPod or whatever it's called, Apple Podcasts. I don't know what it is. It's on or our soon YouTube in, page. Soon enough, www.cannonout7.com. Yeah, it's we'll up back there. up and running. We're having technical issues right now. But soon enough, it'll be up and running. Yeah, and you know, like Nikita Koloff talks about his brief run in NWA in that interview. He talks about his history at Dusty Rhodes. Head to the archives and check it out, man. All right, but for my number three, I think I'm going to get you back here, okay? All right, here we go. My number three, we're going to talk about a feud between Jerry Lynn, Loki, and AJ Styles. More specifically, the fantastic ladder match that they had. Yeah. Um, um, it's been a long time since I watched this match. I think... You know, this match is worth me going and paying for Impact Plus just to see this match again. Yeah, it's fantastic. The spots they come up with. What I like about this match is for the first part of it, they don't really put the ladders involved too much. They wrestle. And then they bring the ladders out. But the way they use it, they have that little Chris Jericho effect to it. They're not, it's not like the TLC matches where it's spot, 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 spot. They use the ladder effectively. Yeah. And I really uh, just go out of your way. Well, to look watch who's in the match here. Okay, look who's in the match. People think about Loki as a big spot guy, and maybe he is. But look who he's in the in the ring with. Okay, AJ Styles. I don't think AJ gets the credit he deserves for being an incredibly intelligent ring worker. And even if he didn't. or even if he wasn't, I should say, he's in the ring with one of the smartest wrestlers in the world in Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Jerry Lynn has that reputation of, oh, he's an ECW guy. No, he's a motherfucking professional wrestler. Yeah. Former Ring of Honor world champion. Former ECW world champion. 100%. And I guarantee you put this guy in this match and He's bringing his intellect into this match, and it showed 100%. And not only that, but to tip the cap to Jerry Lynn a little bit, the guy was hanging with these guys that were probably half his age at this time. Oh, yeah, no shit. Right? Because Jerry's got to be pushing 50 at this point. (laughs) No, he was not pushing 50 at this point. He just looked like it. I'm sorry. If I'm 40, Jerry Lynn is close to 50. I, I think Jerry Lynn was in his 40s at this point. High 30s to, to, to low 40s, though, for sure. So you're saying Jerry Lynn's 60 years old? Right now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, holy fuck, he looks He's got to be. He's got to be close to 60 years old right now, man. And He, he looks, looks good, man. He he, looks I bet you can get back in the ring right now. I'm going to pull it up. He looks Jerry better Lynn. than I do. Well, I mean, he's Jerry Lynn. He's 57 years old. He's 57 years old right now. 
Jesus. Yeah, good for him. Man. I didn't think so. I, th- I figured he was pushing 50, not exiting it. Yeah, no, Jerry Lynn is, man, he was the, the new fucking show for a reason, man. That's it. So my number two, I think, was um, a surprise that was done right. And we're talking about the debut of Jeff Hardy in TNA Wrestling. I don't remember his original debut. So his original I remember debut. His, I remember his shitty debut at the fucking uh, Monday night. Yeah, that back. was terrible. Where he sat on top of the cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. But I don't remember his original debut. So his original debut was uh, on the 100th edition of the Wednesday pay-per-views. Okay. And it was supposed to be AJ Styles against Kid Cash. But Kid Cash had broken his femur. Right. And so they just hyped up a, a mystery opponent for AJ. And that was it. And that's all you got. And AJ made his entrance and got in the ring. And then this random music starts playing. And all of a sudden, Jeff Hardy comes out. And it was just like, holy shit. Like, the place went crazy, obviously. Jeff Hardy Jeff Hardy was probably at the peak of his, close to the peak of his popularity at this time. He had just been released from the WWE maybe a month or two prior. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and this was it. And, and I don't think anybody expected him to go anywhere. Because I don't think so either. WWE released him because he wouldn't get clean. Yeah. So, you know, they, they said, listen, we'll pay for your fucking rehab. We will get you clean. And he said, no. So most people are like, okay, well, he's just not going to wrestle anywhere because no one's going to pick him up. Well, TNA gave him a shot. And I'm glad they did. Well, now, created this great moment. Jeff went on to have a lot of issues in his life. I think he continues to have a lot of issues. Speaking of someone who's dealt with addiction, I know what it's like. You know, addiction never leaves you. It never leaves you. It's always lingering. It's always there. Jeff has that on his shoulder at all times. Mm. This point is like, how old is Jeff at this point? In his fucking 30s? If that. He's probably late 20s at this point. Late 20s. He's still a kid, man. So he doesn't know shit yet. And yeah. he's and he's going off, and, and, and this company TNA is going to give him a chance. They're going to give him a try, and I think it's good on both of them. Well, yeah, it didn't it didn't work out in the long run, but at the same time, I'm glad they did it because it. I, I feel like if they didn't, we wouldn't be talking about Jeff Hardy today. His well, career might be never been reinvigorated if it wasn't for tna absolutely and and this felt like a big deal for tna you know they got a major star to come in and and it kind of was like you know it's not like one of those oh we're bringing booker t and i'll bring kevin nash and like this was a big deal jeff hardy was a big deal he wasn't this he wasn't a legend he wasn't a he wasn't an over the hill wrestler from the 90s and what is this i'm in a ballpark I'm in a ballpark. This is about 2005, maybe. Maybe. He, this was a dream we're, match. We're talking asylum years, 2004, 2005 at the least. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're talking. This is a dream match at the time. AJ Styles and and Jeff Hardy. This is a dream Jeff, match. Jeff Hardy time. is one of the hottest names in professional wrestling. And the match is good. The finish, you know, Kid Cash got involved and kind of ruined the finish. But other than you know, that was kind of the TNA thing at the time, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, my number one was, was Dusty booking. No, not at this time. I'm not not yet. Joking. Not yet. Uh, what do you think, man? You got any ideas what my number one are? 
is? No, not a clue. Uh, my memories of the original days are very foggy. I remember a lot of the stuff you've talked about today, but only because you've talked about it. Well, you know what I mean? my number one is my number one, not just for the moment, but I just think for the importance and company history. Okay. And we're going to go back to the very first ever X division title match. Yeah. Between Loki, AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn and psychosis. Yeah. And this was a double elimination. So you had to get pinned twice to get put out of this match. Which without, I thought overkill, but yeah. Yeah, but without this match and without the X Division, I don't think that you're talking about Impact Wrestling right no, now. No, absolutely not. The X Division was so goddamn important to the legacy of TNA. People don't understand that. Uh, the X Division is pretty much a footnote now. But X Division put them on the map back yeah. then. You talk about those exhibition matches. You talk about those the insane fucking, uh, what they call them? The fucking... Um, Ultimate X. Ultimate X matches and shit like that. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, all, the, all those matches uh, put them on the match. The exhibition guys... AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, guys who would move up to the heavyweight division later on, they started in the X Division. Jerry Lynn, Low Key, you know, you know even yeah. names like Sonny Siaki was big on it back yeah. in the day. The Flying Elvises, right? Like the X and Division. And don't forget the greatest of all time, Curry Man. <laughs> Hot and spicy. Uh, the X Division, let's call a spade a spade, man. Without the X Division, there is no NWA TNA, there is no Impact Wrestling. No. At this time, the X Division was the coolest and probably the best title in all of professional wrestling. Which I'm so surprised is not right out in the fucking front right now because I figured that Scott DeMore would understand that. Because Scotty mean, was there. Scotty was there in the original days seeing that shit. So you would think when he takes over 10 years later, 15 years later, that he would be like, hey, yeah, we need to grab that table and throw it up there. But but they're not. Well, really you know what, though? I don't think they have the right guy to carry that yet. And you know, not a knock on the X Division right now, but I don't think they have that I personality. I like, though, that they've really, they've changed. What the, the one thing I like that they've done to the X Division is they've changed it. It's not just your Lucha-style guys. Guys like Willie Mack are yeah. fighting for the fucking Lucha title. Well, that's always or been the, I mean, the X title. Jordan Grace has been up there for the fucking X Division title. That's, I'm loving what they're doing with the X Division title but right now. That's it's the throwback, the though. Focus it deserves. That's the throwback you're talking about, though. The X Division, it's always been, it's not about weight limits, it's about what you can do in the ring. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you saw that back in the day with, with some of the guys. It could be, look at Samoa Joe, one of the greatest X Division champions of all time. That guy ain't no cruiserweight. And uh, Kevin Nash. Did he hold the X Division title? I, I think know. he just ruined the division. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my that's my list. That's my or, that's my seven. Or or big PD pump. Big PD pump. PD Williams, another pioneer in the X Division as God well, man. Right. I got some honorable mentions. If okay. you want to talk about those, and I don't sure. know if you have any you want to add along the way, so I'll just kind I of start. Not, unfortunately, my my like I said, my memory is very foggy at that point in time. Your memory is muddy, and what's this river that we're in? New Orleans is sinking, man, and we don't want to swim. 
Uh, my first honorable mention, AJ Styles for the first time winning the NWA championship. Yeah. Uh, even Great though Vince Russo helped him do it, it was just cool to, you know, yeah. AJ Styles was that homegrown talent that, you know, AJ he, Styles, he is, is the guy. There is an impact because Mr. of him. TNA. Yep, 100%. He, he was TNA's Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan ruined TNA. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with that. Something that you're going to hear a lot more about uh, in about three minutes when we talk to Chris Harris, and that is the very first cage match between America's Most Wanted and Triple X. Not the second one where Elix Skipper walks it, but they actually had a match before that. The match itself was, in my opinion, better than the cage, the second one, the six sides of steel. Uh, keeping on top of America's Most Wanted, another thing we're going to hear about is uh, they, they worked an angle with the Rock and Roll Express that was really fun for a couple of weeks. And uh, were, I believe Chris talks about that really yes, briefly. Absolutely, he does. Something that I think, uh, I, let's go with maybe the debut of Sting. Uh, Sting and Jeff Jarrett fought, I believe, Lex Luger. Was that during the Asylum days? That was during the Asylum days. Yeah, wow. he had his, his yeah. first of his first appearance in, in was the Asylum days. It was him and uh, Jarrett against, I think, Luger and Waltman. I want to say. Okay. Something I think that you'll really appreciate being on here is uh, the very early days of Abyss. Yes. I just thought they did such a good job of building him. They always kind of kept him locked up and shackled up. His team with Kid Cash was really, really good. Um, I've got R-Truth winning the world title for the first time or the only yep. time. I thought that was a big moment, defeating Ken Shamrock. The very first ever World X Cup, which was Team TNA against Team Mexico, produced some outstanding matches. And one that it didn't happen in the asylum, but it happened during the asylum years. And there was no follow-up to it, unfortunately, but Jeff Jarrett attacking Hulk Hogan in Japan. Yeah. Now I almost feel like this segment was like your inspiration to do this list. Cause you talked about this a lot when we were talking off air. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it was a big moment. Uh, and also there was a war game style match that they did um, team Jared against team. I can't remember, but it was Wednesday, bloody Wednesday. They called it. Uh, those, oh, are my, yeah. those are my honorable mentions. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about the list. All right. Before we head off and talk to Chris Harris, I got to ask you something. I've been thinking about this a lot, watching some older TNA. And of course, I've been watching a lot of current impact. What do you think? Should they or should they not bring back the six-sided ring? Um, I always said yes to this question, but I don't think they should anymore. I think it's been long enough since it's been gone that they should. I just I feel like I feel like that they're they're getting the ball rolling really good right now. I, I feel like their product has been really good. It visually looks really good, and I just it don't just, see I don't see the necess the the. I think it, it just it gives them that that thing. It's it's their thing. I that always was, loved it. That was TNA's thing. Yeah, and I always I, loved I've, the six sided ring. I've heard a lot of stories that it's not a nice ring to bump in. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of stories that for some odd reason this giving it those six sides makes it makes it tighter and harder. I don't understand the, the philosophy behind that, but apparently it's not a nice ring to work in. Yeah. But, I, but I as a pro fan watching it, I always loved it. And I think that, 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 that ring could bring, like you bring it back now and it brings that nostalgia. 
I just don't think that they need to rely on nostalgia right now. I think they need to keep focusing forward on what they're doing. And I, I feel like taking that six-sided ring is a step backwards instead of forwards right now. Now, I would like to see it come out maybe for some nostalgia events if they ever want to. Like, if they ever go back, like, they were supposed to do, um, oh, TNA no, no show. they did do that. They did that TNA show, and they should have brought it back then. Yeah, let's see. Now, that would have been a perfect time to do it, right? Yeah. But I just think right now that the, the direction that Impact Wrestling is on is very good. You know, you got Kenny Omega and uh, Rich Swan, which by the time that this as airs... We record, as we record this, we're only a few days away from uh, the Rebellion pay-per-view. Yeah, which is going to be great. So I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that that'll be can spoken we, about in the beginning part of the show. Can we talk about the fact that... the the second greatest play-by-play man in the business today is on that show. Well, they brought Jonah the Mine in from the Miasma Citadel. <laughs> Mario Ranella, what a great move that was. And I'm great. sure what second I'm, only to my boy Ian, Ian Riccobon. That is correct. That's why I'm saying second. Well, I think we babbled on enough, man. What do you think? You want to get to uh get to Chris Harris? Man. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Yeah, this was fun. This was such a fun interview. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the fourth wall here. I gotta tell you guys something. Fate had this in store. Fate wanted this interview to be amazing because this was a night where I, I just couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. I told, I told Tyler, dude, you're you're on your own. You got to do Chris Harris by yourself today. And he's like, okay, cool. Then we get a text. Or an email, I don't know what it was, like two, three hours before, saying that Carrie Silkin wants to go now. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, like I already said I can't go tonight. But Carrie Silkin saying he has to go now. So we do Carrie Silkin. And your internet sucks. Yeah, it drops about 10 times. Your, your internet nearly, like not to put pressure on you, but your nearly your internet nearly ruined the internet. Thank yeah. God it's okay, but it, it sucked. So we're nervous as fuck. We get off the line with Carrie. We have less than an hour to go before before Chris is going to be on the line. And I've already told my wife, I'm like, no, I'm going to spend time with you. But I'm so fucking nervous at this point that your internet's going to drop. Then I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, but I got to keep on this interview. Cause if Tyler, if Tyler's interview is or in, uh, internet isn't working, I got to keep on with, 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 with Chris. Well, wouldn't you know it? We went on with that interview and I think it's one of the best interviews we've ever done. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. And Absolutely. your internet didn't fuck up once. At one time, you'll hear a little, when we talk about Gail Kim, it's a little wonky, but other than that. Yeah, it's a little bit wonky. But instead of us talking about it, why don't we throw to it? What do you think, man? You want to throw us? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Without further ado, here is Mike and I sitting down with the newly returned to Impact Wrestling, Wildcat Chris Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today by a former seven-time NWA World Tag Team Champion, Wildcat Chris Harris. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Well, perfect. And I want to jump right into the big stuff that's going on right now. We've seen the return of the Wildcat to Impact Wrestling. How did all this come about? Whose idea was it to have you return to Impact for James Storm's Thousands match? Well, well... 
the thousand thousand match was coming up and um I got the call and they said you want to come in for it and I said great and, and was on the phone with Storm right after that and you know just putting some stuff together but yeah we, we were really excited about it and from a personal standpoint how great is it to be back reunited with Storm on air again and in, in uh, impact oh it was great man and and the feedback I got was even better I mean uh just just positive feedback after uh seeing the two of us back on screen again yeah it was fantastic and it really brought me back to a time uh, when when i was really really invested with impact i loved watching you guys as a tag team and the big question i have right now you know the last couple of weeks we've been seeing violent by design they've been causing a lot of problems for you guys is there a chance that we might get to see a reunion of america's most wanted inside of an impact wrestling ring I don't know what direction we're headed, but, uh, you know, I've, I've learned in the wrestling business, you never say never. Oh, absolutely. Well, as uh, the fan in me is just screaming, please make it happen. Uh, I'd love <laughs> to see you guys in there one more time. Uh, I think I speak for fans all over the world when I say that. Uh, Mike, I want to throw it over to you. Do you have any, uh, any questions you want to start off with? Well, before we get into more of the uh, what we hope and wish would happen, let's talk about what has been happening. Chris, what have you been doing since uh, the last time we saw you in TNA? I know you've been busy teaching and stuff like that, but uh, what, what's, what's a regular day in the life of Chris Harris? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was hitting the indie circuit for a while, but um, just gradually, you know, let, less and less of that uh, getting in the ring, you know, it just uh, catches up with you after a while, so... Um, I started doing more conventions and uh, appearances like that. And then, yeah, I've been uh, helping out with the, the promotion I started with uh, here in Cincinnati. Uh, I've been helping out with training some of the young guys. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, it's just a whole different kind of satisfaction to, to see them improve and, uh, you know, the, the, see them get their highlights. So I'm, I'm really uh, having a good time with that. That's awesome. And I hear Cincinnati as a massive Bengals fan. I'm happy to hear that as well. I might be the only one in Canada, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if we could, Chris, can we go back in time a little bit here? And uh, I can actually see it right over your shoulder there. There, There's a picture of yourself and, and it looks like Bob Ryder there. And, and Bob is somebody yeah. I definitely want to ask you about. How important was Bob, not only uh, for you and your career, but also for the company as a whole? Because I really think he's probably the biggest uh, unsung hero of, of TNA and Impact Wrestling. Yeah, Bob really didn't doesn't get enough credit for uh, everything he's done for the promotion and, and even uh, coming up with it. I mean, he 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 helped. Uh, uh, I mean, he helped uh, create TNA. Um, it was it was a. a brainchild of his you know and then they got with uh jeff jarrett and they they came up with it and then um you know storm and i were were there since day one and uh bob was probably our biggest supporter um you know i think i think they would have wound up using us which they did but they just didn't know what direction they wanted to go or or what to do with us and and bob was one of the guys that uh or the guy that said you got you got got to do something with these guys take a look at them and uh, they could really be something, something big. So, and and then over the years, I mean, Bob's, you know, outside of the ring, Bob's become one of my best friends, and uh, he's always been there for us. Um, you know, whether it's it's whether it's the business or outside of the business. So, um, we're gonna miss him a lot. You know, speaking of the uh, the creation of TNA and the beginning like that, uh, coming from an OG like yourself, can you tell us? Uh, 
give us, give us, tell us what, what it was like in those uh, Wednesday night pay-per-view days. You know, before before there was impact, before there was TV, there was those those Wednesday pay-per-views, which to me, I don't know, there was something about that. I was a diehard WWF fan and, and all of a sudden these Wednesday pay-per-views start coming out and it was something to watch and it was so different. What was it like in the back those days? Well, I mean, it was a, it was an exciting time because it was a it was a whole new project. Um, you have we had some star power with us, but uh, there was a lot of new new talent too, a lot yeah. of fresh faces, and uh, you know, getting an opportunity like that, you know, like you said, we hadn't had a TV deal yet, so it was a it was a whole different kind of concept to uh, do a weekly pay per view, um, but it was affordable. It was ten bucks, which mm. you know, you that out. It's kind of like you know the the, the monthly pay per views would come out to be so. Um, but no, it was just, it was an exciting time, man. You, we, everybody was on fire. Uh, we wanted that thing to grow and we wanted it to be a success. And, uh, we had the, we had the right, uh, tools and, and the talent to get it done. Well, and you know, you said there that you guys had such a, a unique mix of veterans and younger talent. Were any of the veterans, um, anybody step up to try to be a locker room leader back in those early days and try to help out you young guys? Uh, well, personally, yeah, I had, a. uh, Kurt Henning was a big, um, big supporter uh, of me. I mean, he uh, took it, took his time. I'm, I would look forward to the talks with him, you know, get, uh, when we get there and just sit down in the locker room and uh, BS over, over everything. So he, he was really big, but yeah, I mean, all the, all this, especially back in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the early days, um, that's what they were there for. The, all the, the star power, they were there to help, help grow the, the young talent. Um, I think probably the biggest name that was that was there to help out was Sting. Sting came in from the beginning and uh, was a you know did I mean he didn't have to do that. He did everything he could to help put TNA on the map and uh, having somebody with the star power of Sting was uh, was huge. Well, we can't we can't have you mention uh, a name like Kurt Henning there and and not get a, some Kurt Henning stories. We're both massive fans. So, I mean, do you have any fun Kurt <laughs> Henning stories that you can share? Oh man, so many. Um, that won't get you into too much trouble, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all stories with Kurt have to. Have, there's some form of trouble in there somewhere. Um, I did give you one. We were at the, the hotel after a show, um, just kicking back uh, at the bar, drinking, and uh, Abyss was there. And uh, this back in the days, Abyss was a Jack and Coke drinker, and um, Kurt's the one who got me started on Jack um, doing shots with him. And so I just started running my mouth, um, about how, uh, uh, this said he could drink Kurt under the table of Jack. And I just, I just kept digging and digging and digging. And, you know, this is telling me, you know, shut the fuck up. Don't do this. <laughs> and, uh, so Kurt, so Kurt took it as a challenge and, uh, one by one, he was going up to the bar, getting shots and they were, they started doing their shots and, uh, you know, I don't know how long it was. I'd say a couple hours, you know, every so often they were doing their shots. And, and by the end of the night, I mean, Abyss, we had to walk him to his room. Um, <laughs> and, and Kurt was fine. He, I mean, it was like he, he nothing, nothing ever happened. Well, come to find out every time he went to the bar to get these shots, he was drinking iced tea. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's Kurt for you. And anybody who knows, anybody who's, 
you know, it's one thing to see him on TV. It's one another thing to be in a room with him. Chris Parks, he's a big fucking guy, right? Right, right. Yeah, he can, <laughs> I mean, he can hold a few. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, uh, sticking, sticking with these Wednesday pay-per-views, uh, what are some of your personal favorite memories from around this time? You know, the company trusted in you guys a lot. You were on pretty much every episode of these Wednesday pay-per-views. Uh, what, are, what are some of your personal favorite memories? Um, well, obviously the storm and I were teaming then, and I was just, it was just an exciting time to, uh, to be on, on TV every single week. And, and like you said, yeah, we were, um, I took it as a, I mean, I took it with pride that they were putting us on every week because it meant that they trusted that we were going to go out and have a good match. So, um, like I said, it was just really exciting, man. I mean, we, we looked forward to every week and, and, um, you know, and then running the programs, um, uh, I think our earlier days, we, we did a lot with the new church mm. um, and, and we had some really good matches with those guys and yeah. uh, some bloody brawls. Uh, but I think that's that's really what uh, put us on the map. You know, people started taking notice of uh, AMW back then, you know, when they were looking at, you know, some some veterans like Woofy D and Brian Lee um, being able to hang with those guys. So, um, yeah, that, that's some of my best memories from the early days. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the new church there because, you know, I think everybody automatically goes to Triple X and the great rivalry that you had with them. And we'll get there eventually as well. But those those matches with the New Days, I think, really solidified you guys as, you know, uh, not just the you guys are doing a little bit of the comedy with James Storm at the time. But I think that kind of solidified you guys as being more badass characters. And what was it like in there with those guys? And is, uh, is Wolfie D as crazy as everybody says that he is? Of course. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I learned a lot from Brian. Uh, you know, Brian had been around for a while, so uh, I was really learning from him. And uh, a lot of times, we, uh, Woofy and uh, Storm, knew, has had known each other for a long time. So a lot of times, we just paired off. Uh, I'd go with Brian, and them two'd go together, and we just kind of had you know battle it out. But uh, yeah, I think we really turned some heads in, with those matches, and you know, because we were trying to establish our characters, but also, like you said, you know, once we got in the ring, we wanted to show we could go. Absolutely. No, both Tyler and I, both Tyler and I are really big fans of tag team wrestling. And there, I think there's a certain respect you have to have for tag team wrestling. I mean, there's, it takes something special to be a wrestler to begin with, but to be able to put in the science of tag team wrestling is something that not everybody has. Can you break down the difference between singles wrestling and tag team wrestling? Like, 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 is there is there a difference to you? Is there is there a science that, that you notice, or is it just second hat to you? I mean, I guess it's second nature now, but yeah, there, there's definitely a certain art form that goes into the tag teams, and and that's something that uh, you know because we're storing our old school, so we 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 um, everything we had learned and, and been taught, um, you know, coming up uh, like watching wrestling in the '80s, the tag teams back then. Um, you know that when when we got put together, um, you know we we were we had our sights set on singles singles runs, and when they put us together, we just uh, you know I think at first maybe a little disappointment, but once we knew that that was our opportunity um, to to make a go at it, uh, that we just we we tried to apply everything we had learned from uh, all those uh, watching the tag teams of the '80s and early '90s. Uh, we just applied the, what we learned, and um, and I think that's why, I think that's why we got so much attention at the time. Because um, if you think back on at um, like O2 when TNA first started, I mean, 
WWE was the only thing, only game in town. And most of the, their tag teams were just singles guys put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there really wasn't an art to it. Uh, they were just thrown together. And then, and then six weeks later, they're feuding. Um, and with us, we really wanted to make a run, run for it. And so we applied everything we knew. And I think that's really what got people's attention because we brought tag team wrestling back to where it should be. Absolutely. Well, who are some of the teams that you and, uh, and James went back and kind of studied a little bit to, to inspire you guys? Oh, uh, I watched both NWA and WWE. So uh, WWE, there was a lot of the Heart Foundation, the Bulldogs. Um, but then the NWA, I really enjoyed the, the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, the Horsemen with Arn and Tully. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those old school type teams. I mean, we really studied them. And, and uh, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you got – four guys as opposed to two in a match. So, you know, it, it can give double the star power. I mean, you can, there's so many exciting things you can do in a tag team match that you can't do in a singles match. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And there's a legendary team that you guys got to do an angle with in TNA and that's the rock and roll express. What was the, what's your memories of working with those guys? Oh, it was awesome. And I, we had actually gotten a chance to work with them ahead of time. So we knew, knew them going in, but then we had a couple matches with them and it was just a blast to be in there with guys like uh, Ricky and Robert, you know, the legendary status that they had and, and they were so cool to, to work with. And um, I mean, it, it, they were great, man. The, in fact, uh, I think we wrestled them. Um, it was either a day after or two days after Kurt's passing. And uh, the finish of the match was a perfect plex on Ricky. Oh, wow. And when I had asked when I had asked him about it, you know, he and I think he understood that uh, Kurt and I were close. So when I brought it up to him, if we could do that for the finish, he, he had no problem. He was like, absolutely. So that was kind of cool. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong from a from an actual <laughs> standpoint, from a guy who knows, but from a fan, a guy watching it on TV, I got to say, there's no tag team I've ever seen give back to the business the way that the rock and roll express has, especially in the, even in the last 10 years, the way they come up and put over these new teams. Yeah, man. They're saying they're still going. Yeah. They're I still, mean, those, those guys are crazy. Yeah. They don't age. <laughs> I, see, I see Ricky out there taking crazy bumps still today. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. doing Canadian destroyers right now. And then yeah. he he's it's crazy. You just see him on <laughs> AEW putting over um, Ortiz and Santana, like the, very very classy yeah, that's a great that's a great example i mean they popped up on there and and helped put over some of their teams so obviously we cannot talk about america's most wanted and not bring up triple x you guys had some incredible tag matches uh, and, and one that still gets talked about to this day was inside the steel cage uh what are some of your memories about that cage match could you tell that you guys were in the middle of doing something special as it was going on and whose idea was it? And what were you thinking watching Elix Skipper walk across, getting ready to hit you with that Hurricane Rana? Because that was crazy. I remember thinking this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, people bring up the cage match, and I know they're talking about the six side of, sides of steel, but um, a lot of people forget that we had the, the first cage match with them um, back in the Nashville days, in the yeah. Asylum days. We had a cage match with them, so... Um, and that, that match by, by far was one of our favorites uh, up until that point, And it got a lot of attention. So when the rematch was coming about, um, you know, it's, it was really, it's really hard to try not to top, top it, but, uh, we knew going into it, it was going to, that was a hard feat, um, to try to top it. But I think we did it. We pulled out all the stops. Um, 
I love that match. I, I still watch it today. It was a bloodbath for one. But um, yeah, when Elix first brought that up to me, um, I, I thought it was just so dangerous that um, I, all, all day I was kind of going against it. And, um, you know, we talked about it a few different times, but then uh, as, as the day progressed later on in the day, I, I went up to him and I said, are you sure you can pull this off? And he had all the confidence in the world. He said, absolutely. I all said, right, all right let's do it. And, and, then, and then if you watch it, it looked like he struggled a little bit to get to the top. And I'm talking to Daniels. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do for plan B? <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, though, he, his legs were around me. And here that we brings go. up a question right there. As a professional, like my, my, myself, like I, I can't fathom it. I'm not a professional. I'm not in there. For a guy who's done this his entire life, what does it take to put that much trust in your life into the hands of somebody else? When he says, yeah, I can do it, what makes you think, all right, <laughs> he can do it. He better not kill me. Well, like I said, I mean, it took me all day to, uh, to really come to grips with it. But, um, uh, yeah, you're kind of – I mean, you're kind of putting the trust into your opponent every time you get in the ring. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter what you're doing, you got to – you got there's a certain level of trust. You have to, you know, be with your opponent and uh, – you know, you're taking a risk every time you're out there, but you know, the main goal is, you know, you want to, you want to have a great wrestling match, but the goal is not to hurt your opponent. And uh, so, yeah, when he was asking me about it, I just thought that was, that just sounded crazy to me. Now he had, he had perfected doing it uh, from the top rope. I don't know if, uh, if you remember any of those matches, but yeah, in the early days, he would do a hurricane runner from the top rope um, on, on the guys. So when he brought this up, it wasn't like, it was completely out of left field. I knew he had done that. So, um, yeah, but what, I just thought about it and I thought about it. And it, like I said, we, uh, you know, we wanted to have the best match that we could and uh, a spectacular feat like that, you know, it's, I, I guess it was worth the, the risk and it paid off, man. And we're still talking about it today. Yeah. And, and it's not like those cages, are like the ones you see on TV now in the WWE where they have the platforms on the top. Like this was just a skinny little chain link. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and even in your guys' first match, when, uh, when you guys came off the top rope and hit the death sentence there, the leg drop off the top of the cage as yeah. well. Like, you know, that's another moment that, uh, like you said, it, it kind of loses, uh, gets lost after that uh, second match happened. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not easy to climb that cage and get in and be able to get your balance on top like that. So yeah, it's it's quite a quite a feat. Well, let's uh, keep moving on a little bit here, and uh, you know we're a couple guys based out of uh, Toronto, and you guys got to do some work with one of our hometown people and Gail Kim. What did Gail Kim bring to the table with you guys? Oh, uh, she was quite an addition, man. Uh, and I'd already made our name as uh, big baby faces. You know, we were we were loved, and we were getting the attention for some of our matches. Uh, bringing like us. Then we turned heel uh, with Jeff Jarrett, and you know we knew we could pull that off. You know, we just get a little get our aggress aggression out uh, and a little bit of a twist on it. But Gail was that that piece that that was missing. Um, she just fit right in with us. Uh, I would have never thought to have a, a manager or valet uh, coming to the ring with us, but she added so much to it and uh, made the matches that just that much more exciting. And she's honestly probably the best female talent that I've ever not only worked with, but 
that I've ever seen. She's she's awesome. That's awesome, Mike. You got something else you want to ask the uh, ask the Wildcat here? Yeah, I got to get down to my priorities. We're uh, <laughs> I don't want to waste too much of Chris's time here. Um, all right, here here's one. If we're bringing in a fan, Chris, or someone who knows very little about TNA and Chris Harris, what is one match you would recommend any fan that wants to know what Chris Harris is all about? Um, wow. Um, I'd say our matches with uh, with Triple X, not just the cage matches. Those were great matches to watch. Um, uh, we had some good ones with the, the Dudley boys. Um, yeah. uh, the New Age Outlaws, they were the James Gang back then. Uh, you know, some star power like that. But we, you know, the New Church, those kind of matches in singles, though. I, 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 um, you know, it was a long time ago, but my singles run with Jeff Jarrett for the NWA title. Those Absolutely. Were some, good, some really good matches. So, you know, aside from the tag team thing, if I was ever looking at, you know, some singles matches that, um, you know, could give people a pretty good idea what I was all about. That that's a great one to, to look up. Well, yeah, let's what? talk about your singles run a little bit here. You know, um, the breakup of uh, America's Most Wanted. Do you think the timing was right on that? Is that something you and James both kind of wanted to explore as a singles run, or do you think you guys had a little bit more mileage left in the team? I think we could have gone longer, but um, it was something that we were cool with because I think we were ready to give it a, give it a shot in a singles run. Um, uh, I had I had a lot of success there um, early on, and of course Storm's still doing it today. today. So, um, you know, it worked out really really well. And uh, I think what really got people's attention was the Texas Death Match against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really opened opened some eyes with that, and uh, yeah. people saw okay, these guys can they they can they can go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we I think America's Most Wanted could have definitely gone on longer, and we could have done more. But um, maybe the time was right, you know, to, to kind of explore other options. And looking back at that feud from a booking standpoint, do you think that uh, the company got all they could have out of that feud? Because to me, I, I feel like they could have uh, extended it for a couple more months with the history that you guys had. You know, starting it off in the the cage with the blindfold match was definitely a unique way to start the the program. Yeah, I mean, the blindfold match wasn't, um, you know, we kind of look back and, and think of that as a bad idea. But, you know, when you're when you're looking at booking terms um, and story-wise, you know, with him blinding me with the, the bottle and that, I mean, just it, it made made for a perfect story. You know, I just think nowadays, you know, people aren't as into the, the whole blindfold thing as they were back in the day. So it just didn't work uh, the, the same way we wanted it to. But I think we turned it around and gave them exactly what they wanted with the Texas Death Match. I don't want to bug you too much about your time in WWE. I know people are probably hounding you about it all the time, but I do (laughs) want to know about the process getting in. What was it like for you when, when you were building to go to the WWE? Um, Well, you know, it was always an, uh, it was always an option. Uh, Every time we were signing contracts, uh, it was always an option, but uh, you know, we were pretty loyal TNA guys and uh, Mm -hmm. You know, n- not real sure what they would do with us um, if we win. So, um, it, and TNA was was home. I mean, they took care of us, and everything was really good. Uh, um, but yeah, after we split and did our singles run, and uh, you know, it, I don't know how long that was, but um, my contract was coming up, and they they hadn't really done anything with me for a, for a long time. I had a, had some matches with uh, Dustin Rhodes. 
um, did something with Christian. And then I, I, I think I was leading towards um, some, some form of story with Kurt Angle, which would have really been cool, but um, I don't know if that was ever going to happen or what, but then, uh, yeah, contract was coming up and, and there was interest on the other side. They weren't really doing anything with me. And then what really hurt was uh, the new contract. There was a pay cut, um, mm -hmm. you know, which a lot of people don't realize. And, and so, you know, I was just trying to even out the factors. And I mean, it was something I really thought a lot about, um, you know, looking back, of course, you know, maybe I, I, I wish I could work something out with TNA, but um, but at the time I thought it was the right move, you know, and they, they seemed to be interested and, um, you know, I, I was willing to give it a shot. You know, um, I, I, I felt confident in my abilities that I could get something done um, with the right opportunity. So um, yeah, it just ended. And right away, I, I think within the next month I was signed with WWE. So you mentioned Bob Ryder as being somebody that was um, uh, one of your supporters in, in TNA. Who were the supporters in the WWE for you? Who were the guys that, that were reaching out to you to try to bring you in? Uh, well, my main contact was Johnny Ace. Um, okay. that, that's who I, I talked to. And uh, um, and that was one another, another thing about WWE. You know, I, any of the guys that I knew that I had talked to, um, they were real supportive of me coming over there and, you know, you do really great here and, you know, kind of, kind of get in my head, feed me that kind of stuff. Well, then when I got there, um, all that support wasn't there. I mean, everybody was out for them, for themselves. So, you know, that, that was kind of a blow, you know, these people that, yeah. you know, I felt like they were supporting me and, you know, I, I had all this uh, going into it. And then when I got there, it was like, you know, Hey, I'm on my own. Um, there were very few that reached out um, to help me, help me along. I have to, uh, Matt Hardy was one. He was he was really cool about it. Jimmy Yang, uh, back then, that those guys were really, uh, they, those guys reached out um, and they, they were pretty cool. But yeah, for the most part, man, I felt like I was on my own. What What are some of the major differences between uh, you know the backstage vibes and TNA and Impact compared to your time in the WWE? And did you have any interaction with Vince McMahon at all? What was What was he like to be around? I went up and introduced myself, and I I bet he didn't even know who the hell I was. Really? Hey, wow. Um, you know, it just, it, it was just that kind of atmosphere, you know, um, it's, it's very corporate. Um, they just, they, uh, the best way I can describe it is they just want to control you. I mean, they, they treat you like a robot. They, they just want to program you to, to fit their needs. And, you know, by the time I went over there, I'd been wrestling for 15 years. I mean, so I, you know, I was kind of, kind of, you know, had my own thing going on and just wanted to apply it into their company. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, TNA just felt more, more like a home, more like a family. Um, I, and I feel like, you know, since it was a young company, everybody was really pushing to, to uh, make it work and to make it, you know, as, as best it, it could possibly be. And with the WWE, it's just you're just a soldier. You're a soldier in this this big corporation. So uh, a name that you mentioned a little bit before this was uh, Dustin Rhodes and, and somebody that you got to be uh, around a lot was his father, Dusty. Do you have any good Dusty stories? Was he, was he uh, helpful to you at all? Yeah, Dusty was great, man. Um, we had a lot of fun with Dusty. We learned a lot and uh, it was, it was a pleasure. We got to do a lot of six man tags with Dusty and Dustin. Um, so we got, I got close with both of them. And, uh, and then even when I went over to the WWE, D Dusty was a lot, uh, he had a lot to do with the, the training in, in Tampa. I think he helped a lot with, with uh, promos and, and things like that. But I would talk, yeah, Dusty was one of the guys I would talk to and, and uh, you know, tried to kind of, you know, get the feel for how to, how to fit in. 
And, um, but he even agreed with me. I remember Dusty telling me, he said, you know, you're just not the same person that you were. And I said, you're right, Dusty, I'm not. Because I just, I, I just didn't feel like myself. I felt like I was being programmed and uh, it was just a really, um, the atmosphere just was not a pleasant one. Yeah. Uh, and, and with, um, um, sorry, with uh, Impact Wrestling now, you know, you take a look at the current roster that they have and the tag team division is pretty stacked over there. Is there any teams that you, you see right now and you're like, man, like I'd like to get in there with those guys? Oh, if we could, uh, if I could go like I used to, man, I'd love to get in with Gallows and Anderson. God damn. Yeah, I, I think we would tear take, it up. I'd take do, my I'd money take right up. now. Yeah. AMW versus versus uh, the Good Brothers. That That is money right there. That's I don't right. give a fuck what year it is. That is money, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, 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 I am hung over just thinking about that match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I've got one more question here, and then I'm going to turn it over to Mike to, to ask the last couple of questions. Um, what kind of goals do you have for yourself now going forward? You know, we've seen you back on Impact Wrestling. Uh, you said that you, you can't go like you used to go. Do you have any desire to get back in the ring at all? Can we see you pop up in any other promotions, even if it's in a backstage role? Is that something you'd be interested in? Definitely. Um, I, I feel like I can contribute the best the best way I, I can right now, doing some kind of a backstage role, whether it's agent, producer. Um, now that I got a taste of being back on TV, um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to maybe do something with Storm if there was anything um, – out there available as far as, you know, being in his corner, um, you know, of course I'd be something that, you know, the company would have to decide, but uh, Storm and I loved, loved the time that we just, you know, re reuniting and uh, you know, he can still go. So I'd love to be in his corner doing something like that. That would be great. Uh, but yeah, my, uh, my long-term goal and it, and it would definitely be impact. I really don't have an interest in anywhere else. Um, I just feel like that's, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable there. I know everybody, and uh, I feel like, you know, if I could ever get my foot in the door as far as some kind of a, a backstage role, I would love to get into that. I think I'd, I think I'd be good at something like that. What is your current status with Impact Wrestling? Are, are, you, are you working on signing some with them? Are you with them? Is it just a per, per deal basis? Yeah, that was just a, you know, one-time thing or two-time, uh, you know, just for an appearance. Um, but like I said, you know, I mean, the door's open, you know. If I get the call again, I'd love to keep doing something. It's fresh in everybody's mind, so I I I think it'd be really good. And like I said, I I got a lot of good feedback, so I think the fans would really get into something like that. So uh, that'd be cool. But no, I, I stay in touch with everybody there. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a one off right now, and then we'll see where it goes. With all the changes over the last several years, especially with Anthem buying the company and with uh, Don and uh, and Demore taking over. Does it still feel like the company you remember? Is it still TNA to you, or is it? Does it feel a little bit different when you're there? Um, I felt I felt good when I was there. I mean, it felt like home. Um, getting to see a lot of the old faces. Um, you know, Chris Saban was there, Eric Young. Uh, you know, it was Scott Demore, of course. Um, it, but it was it was really cool getting to see a lot of the guys and and then uh, you know see a lot of young fresh fresh guys coming up, you know, to carry the company. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to definitely be different. Um, it was certainly different not having fans in there. I, I, that was my first experience yeah. with, with that. So that was a little different, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through that. And, um, yeah, man, it's just, I love the hunger that everybody has. I mean, everybody still wants it to, to be the best thing out there. And, 
um, you know, it's another alternative for some good wrestling. Well, uh, before I bring it home, uh, thank you so much for doing this, Chris. I have, I have one last question to ask for you. And it, we're going to go to a bit of an alternate reality here. We're going to a, a different universe where this can happen. We're booking <laughs> America's Most Wanted versus Beer Money. Who's going over, Chris? Well, it's AMW, of course. There you go, baby. <laughs> I love the I love the line that you and uh, Storm did on TV there, where you're like, he's like, we need to get that beer money, and you're like, hey, come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I, I thought people would get a kick out of that. I got a pop out of that. Uh, so before before we sign off for you, can you let the people know where they can find you? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of your handles there. Yeah, man, I got it all right here. Um, best way to get find me is uh, on Twitter at AMW Wildcat. I also have an Instagram at AMW Wildcat Chris Harris. Um, for any, uh, bookings or appearances or anything like that, you can contact, uh, www.lomopro, the, the lomopro.com. That's the L-O-M-O-P-R-O.com. And then also I have a, a merch website up, uh, AMW Wildcat merch. No, that's wrong. AMWWildcat.com. There you go. Oh, we'll make great. sure to be sober enough to send that all in the uh to put that all in the bio when we put the episode up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well chris we, we really appreciate your time man best of luck hopefully we can keep seeing an impact wrestling because like i said you guys have done a great job they've done a great job of bringing you back the the world is talking about it so best of luck to you and, and everything going forward thanks man i hope we can do something thank you chris thanks Take guys care.